All right, welcome back, everybody. So happy to, to be back here on the Phi School Podcast. Um, my name's Jared. I'm here with my co-host, Russell. Russell, brother, how you doing today? Good, good. It's good to see you again, Jared. Um, yeah, it's been a good week for me so far. We, uh, I actually just opened my first, um, my first travel rewards credit card. Um, and I know that you have been opening up a couple here recently, too. And so we thought that today would be a good time to talk kind of about some of the details there um, and some of the cool things that come with travel hacking and credit cards and how exactly to use them and how to stay safe, too. Because um, a lot of people, you can. Get, I think there's a reason there's a, there's a stigma around them, you know, because you can get in a lot of trouble with credit cards. Um, so we kind of wanted to crack that open and break it open with you guys today. Yeah, real quick, Russell, what card did you just open? Yeah, so I just opened the Chase, um, what is it? The Chase Business Performance Card. Um, and so it's a Southwest business. It's partnered with, it's Chase partnered with Southwest. Um, and we'll get kind of get into all the details there. But um, it's got a pretty good like, sign-on bonus. And so I'm hoping to do a couple thousand dollars worth of spending this next year with it. Or a couple thousand dollars worth of flying for free next year with it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I just yesterday um, got approved for the American Express Delta Reserve card, which I'm super excited about because it's my first airline card. Hmm. Um, and so we, we're going to break all this down because in the world of travel hacking and credit card rewards, you've got like the issuers of the cards, you've got the banks behind the cards, you've got like co-brands of like airlines and hotels and transferable currencies. And you hear people's spouting out, you know, their opinions and ideas on, on cards and travel and points and how to maximize all of that. And we, we kind of just want to break it down and simplify it um, the best that we can, and, you know, to the best of our knowledge and our ability. So we are super stoked. And yeah. so the, the kind of the big question at the top of this is like miles, points, cashback, you know, what are these things and how do they work? And so in, in essence, we believe that credit cards can be an awesome strategy and a really fun hobby for some people to either lower your cost of living or increase the quality of your life without paying the sticker price, right? So if you can get a credit card that, you know, let's say pays you a hundred bucks a year, well then that means that you have just earned a hundred dollars more of income. So that means you could be saving an extra $100 into your Roth IRA or um, saving that $100 for food or for school or for whatever it is you're saving money for and then use that credit from your credit card to then get a plane ticket to go home to see family or, or, or whatnot. So mm -hmm. I think, well, so if you listen to the Choose a Five podcast, they talk about credit card rewards and travel hacking as a pillar of financial independence because of all of these like very tangible financial benefits that come from credit cards. Yeah, and I think a really cool thing there is it it, it can like genuinely increase your quality of life. So, I mean, as like a college student, I don't have very much money just sitting around. But through paying my tuition through a credit card, I like next year I'll have like around 2 to 4,000 dollars worth of flying that I can do that I can just on weekends or with friends and I can take someone with me and just go fly to different places and do cool things or go visit family or go visit like places I used to live. And so it's this idea of you can get so much more out of life just by optimizing and using credit cards with your spending and being smart about it. And like you said, I honestly think describing it as a hobby is a great way to describe it because it's so like, there's so much that goes into it that you can like dive down that rabbit hole and really like, get into it, you know, and it, it really does become a hobby for, for a lot of people. Um, thing about travel hacking and credit cards though, is you have to play by the rules. 
you have to play by the rules, otherwise you will get screwed. Um, and so Jared, why don't you walk us kind of through some of the rules here that'll allow you to really take advantage of these travel hacking and, and cashback benefits? Yeah, so there are a couple different kinds of rules, right? So you have like the actual strict legal rules, right? The contract, the agreements and terms and conditions, like all of the, there are a lot of these rules um, laid out in every single credit card application. And so help me, if you do not abide by those rules, these banks are more than happy to close down your account, take all the points and shut you down, right? Like it happens all the time and it is not something that we are interested in. So we're gonna talk a little bit about ways that people get, people that get really excited about this stuff, like free money and free luxury travel and elite status and blah, blah, blah. And they get into stuff that's like kind of sketchy, quasi illegal, shady, you know, like we're, we're gonna kind of explain what stuff is going on out there and then tell you to avoid it because like we're not interested in that. So the, uh, the actual, like, uh, I guess they're not actually rules, but these are the rules that kind of we abide by inside of this financial independence or just savvy personal finance planning um, everywhere, right? Is we, we've talked about it with respect to financial independence, right? Spend less than you earn, right? Do not spend more money than you have, right? So you must, you know, rule one of, you know, credit card using, credit card usage and travel hacking is, Pay off your card in full every single month without fail. Always pay off your credit card in full. That is rule number one. Rule number two is to not spend money you weren't going to spend otherwise, right? So this is the huge one. Where, this is where Dave Ramsey comes in and says, like, credit cards, cut them up. They are of the devil, according to Mr. Ramsey. So he quotes a lot of different studies that have shown that when you swipe a credit card, there is less of an emotional impact on you than if you were handing over dollars, right? And I think to a large degree, there is some truth in that, right? When you hand over a hundred bucks, you know, if you hand over five crisp 20s, it hurts a little bit more than inserting your card, clicking the green button, and then walking away, right? He, and he talks a lot about how if you use a credit card or a debit card, you are more likely to spend more money than you would if you were using cash because that pain level isn't there. And I agree, you know, kind of on a fundamental basis, I do agree, but... I believe that we are capable of overcoming the kind of some of those like natural tendencies that we might have. And if you're a you know a pretty uh, rigid budgeter or you track every single expense that you have, if you have everything going onto a card, it significantly simplifies your life. And so uh, I believe there are other benefits to using a credit card that far outweigh the you know that small difference of spending more on a card than you would if you had cash so you know rule number two is to not to spend money that you weren't going to spend otherwise and then rule number three is to stay away from all that sketchy quasi illegal stuff um, there are some forms of like manufactured spending that you might see um, you know online some of that stuff is not exactly legal or is just kind of in a gray area we just avoid that altogether so yeah. recap rule one pay off your card in full every single month Rule two, don't spend money you weren't going to spend otherwise. Rule three, stay away from the sketchy, illegal stuff online. And if you can't follow these rules, you're not ready to play the game, right? You're not ready to get into this hobby yet. Um, mm -hmm. But you can take six months, you can take a year. We'll talk about how you can do this, but you can build really solid money habits. You can get your money habits together, and then that opens the door to let you play this game. Yeah, and I think, I think it's just important to realize that while there is a lot of a lot to be gained in this game there is also a lot to be lost and so don't like don't take it lightly like these rules are here for a reason and if you're spending more than you can pay off on your credit card and you start racking up that debt we've talked a little bit about um like uh what's it called the 
the interest, um, mm-hmm. compound interest, right? And how that over time can lead to huge results, right? By just saving $100 a month, you know, it can turn into like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in a couple, in like 10, 20, 30, 40 years. The credit cards, if not used correctly and if not used wisely, are that exact same thing, but working against you. And that, that interest that you're accruing is just going to stack up and stack up until you can't keep up. And so please like take these rules seriously. Do not spend more than you're going to use, than you can pay off and do not spend more than you can just because you have credit that like allows you to spend more than necessarily you're making. So be careful here, be smart. And if you use these cards correctly and you're smart with them, it can unlock so much for you, but just be careful and be safe. And if you are in a place where you have a credit card open already and every single month you have a balance that carries over to the next month and you're like trying to get out from under it and you're kind of stuck, this is a time for you to learn about what some of the benefits are to paying off your credit card in full and getting to participate in this game, getting to you know play the game or, or develop this hobby. And maybe that is enough to kind of excite you to get out of that hole faster. And we're gonna talk a little bit, I'm gonna share my story later on about how I was struggling with credit cards. I was carrying a very low debt, but I just, I couldn't get out of the that, that rate, that rat race of like month to month being, I was always in debt month to month and I was just trying to, you know, paying off and full at the beginning of the month and then having to put money back on the card at the end of the month. And we'll talk about kind of a, a solid strategy for getting out of that, um, out of that cycle. But first, we just kind of wanted to talk about the overview of the game, okay? So we, we've talked about you You should decide for yourself first whether or not you should even play the game. Because for some people, this is not interesting whatsoever. Like they do not care about the one, two, 5% back that they get on their credit card. They'd rather spend their time earning 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 more than they are this year. And of course, like you're gonna see way, way bigger outsized benefits from just earning more money, right? But if you're, if you're at all interested in this hobby, like, like, you know, I am or like Russell is like, it's super fun and really, really exciting. And on top of that, there's all of these like financial benefits to it. Yeah, let's just jump into the overview of the game. So um, the idea is basically that you can take your normal spending that you're going to be spending anyways on grocery, food, gas, car, tuition, really anything that's an expense, flights, whatever. And you can just put that onto your credit card. And so we're not spending more than you normally spend. We're not adding things or anything like that. Um, all we're doing is putting our normal spending on the card, and that's accruing points, that's accruing cash back, um, or these kind of other things. The other side is then you pay off that card every single month, so then you're not accruing interest, and you're gaining those benefits. Um, and then at the end of it all, you can take that cash back, or you can take those miles that you've earned on those cards for your normal spending to then do fun things and to get out and to or to save more or to just go out to eat or fly places or get hotels or really anything else that you want to do. And so with credit cards, points, miles, there's there's these different terms that get thrown around and we want to kind of break them down. So there are there there are cashback credit cards, you can get credit card points or credit card rewards and then others do like credit card miles. Um, and so we're let, let's break those out. So there are three basically three kinds of credit cards. You can have a crash ba- or sorry, a cashback credit card. You can have a travel credit card. And then there are these other credit cards. They're called like security cards. Um, and these cards, we're not really going to talk. We'll explain what they are and then not talk about them anymore. So basically, they're for people who are really trying to recover their credit because they've had to file for bankruptcy. They just have really bad credit. And what you do is you 
give the bank a deposit for $200, $500, whatever. And then they will let you use that card, kind of like a debit card. And you can use that credit card up to the balance that you paid them in advance. And it's it codes as a credit card. The, um, the credit bureaus see it as a credit card. And so by doing that, you can safely build your credit. But if you're if you're kind of in the um, in the need for security credit cards, then like we we shouldn't be getting into the world of, of travel hacking, right? Um, but I also firmly believe that you can develop these good solid credit card habits um, using just a regular cashback credit card, and you can you, you can free yourself from from those bonds if that's kind of the the position that you're stuck in. So yeah, go ahead, Russell. Question for you. So. For someone just getting into this game and who doesn't have a credit score at all, um, would security cards be a way for you to get into it? Or is that specifically for people who have really bad credit scores and not just for people who don't have a credit score? Uh, it, 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 they also work for people who don't have a credit score. Like okay. anyone is able to open open these cards because they pretty much accept everybody. And you'll see these cards advertised as like, you only need a credit score of like 400 in order to open this card or, or whatever. Um, and there are also other cards like um, Chase has a student card. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but there are zero benefits to the card whatsoever. It's just a credit card. And it, the intent is that you give it to a student in high school or maybe a college student. They put all their spending on there. They pay it off. The card itself has zero benefits except for it is a credit card. And so you can uh, build your credit with it. And then, of course, you can fall into the trap of overspending on that card and then get into a lot of credit card debt. Right. Okay. Um, so, so, so they're open to everybody. but So while you could use security cards to build your credit, there are probably better credit cards for building credit if you have no credit score, like a student card or some other intro card that just doesn't have any benefits. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, absolutely. So there are cashback cards, travel cards, and these security cards. And we're going to focus on cashback cards and travel cards. Um, but first, uh, there are three major credit card companies. And I, I don't really know the the nomenclature to make this any more like clear and specific, but Basically, you have cards that are made by Visa, cards that are made by MasterCard, um, and cards that are made by American Express. There's also like other cards out there, but like those are kind of like the big players in this space. So they have Visa cards, MasterCard, and American Express. But then there are like five major bank cards. So these banks will partner with American Express, Visa, or MasterCard to make that bank's specific cards. So for example, Chase. Chase is a bank, right? JP Morgan Chase is this big old bank and they make credit cards available to people. But Visa is the company that physically makes the card and handles all the transactions. So when you go to a store, it'll say, we accept Visa, we accept MasterCard, we accept American Express. It does not say we accept Chase, we accept Hilton, we accept United. Like it doesn't say any of that. It just says the issuer of the physical card itself. So it'll say Visa, American Express, MasterCard, whatever. Um, American Express, they make their own cards. American Express is both like a bank and a card maker at the same time. Um, they've kind of, they kind of started out as a card maker and then turned themselves into a big bank. So American Express only has American Express cards. Um, oh, going back to Chase. Chase has Visa cards. Almost all Chase cards are Visa cards. Um, but they also just started doing a MasterCard. Mm -hmm. I think they only have one. I think it's the Freedom Flex, but I think that's the only MasterCard they have, but it's otherwise it's Visa. City, Citibank, they have mostly MasterCards. 
Capital One, they have mostly Visa cards. Bank of America has mostly Visa cards, right? So these are these are kind of the big five players. You got Chase, Amex, Citi, Capital One, and Bank of America. And then other banks have cards as well, um, and they vary all over the place. So is there a benefit to Amex versus MasterCard versus um, like Visa? Like is there pros or cons to any of those, or is it just kind of like one and the same? Uh, there are pros and cons. Well, okay, for the average American, they are one and the same. Um, American Express has kind of always been the outlier because basically everyone around the world accepts Visa and MasterCard. Um, American Express came along and they started charging higher fees to the companies. So when you swipe a credit card, the company that is that you're purchasing at, they have to pay the credit card issuer a fee in order to access the credit that's on that credit card, card issuer so, being Amex, Visa, or MasterCard. Yes, I believe so. Um, and so American Express has a higher fee than Visa and MasterCard. So let's say every time you swipe your card, you, you've probably seen this posted on different, um, like on, I don't know, like your local donut shops counter or like other smaller places. It'll say, we charge a $35 convenience or 35 cent convenience fee. We charge a 50 cent convenience fee for using credit cards or debit cards. Um, and that fee that they're charging is to cover the shop owner's fees that they have to pay in order to access your credit. So if you give a store cash, they don't have to pay any money to use the cash, right? You just gave them the cash. But if you pay with an American Express card, the company has to pay, it's like 35 cents, 50 cents or something to American Express to gain access to the $10 of donuts that you just bought. So you paid $10 and the store is gonna have to pay um, 50 cents to get those $10. And so it cuts into the store's profits, which is why some smaller stores will have that like written down. Now, American Express, they had... They had slightly higher fees than these other banks, but then also they were, well, because they had these slightly higher fees, people weren't accepting them like around the United States. They're like, forget this. I don't want to pay extra money. So we're just not going to accept it. Come up with another form of payment. But now I don't know if it's because the fees changed. I didn't do my homework on this. So I, I, I don't know if the fees have changed or if everyone just accepts Amex now because Amex is just more popular. And But you can basically pay with an American Express card anywhere in the United States. Um, Outside of the United States, though, it gets a lot harder to find someone who will accept American Express. So my wife and I live in Italy, for example, and there are a couple restaurants here and there that accept American Express, but almost everybody denies it, and you just have to pay with a Visa or a MasterCard. Good to know. Cool. So then uh, let's go ahead and get into cashback cards. So a cashback card, right? Any of these cards, whether it's a Bank of America Visa card, a Chase Visa card, or an American Express card, like all of these companies have a cashback card of some sort. And uh, these cards, they will earn you like one, two, you know, up to maybe 5% cash back, right? So these are the kinds of cards you'll see like at Target or at The Gap or at Old Navy, like uh, as well as Chase has cashback cards. Um, American Express has cash, like everyone has cashback cards. And so when they, when you talk about a cashback card, they're talking about a percent back that you're receiving because it means every dollar that you spend, if you're getting, let's say a 1% cash back, every dollar that you spend, you're getting 1% of that cash back to you. So for every dollar you spend, you're getting one penny back on it, right? Because a penny is 1% of a dollar. So if let's say every month you spend $2,000 um, and you have a card that earns you 2% cash back, 
uh, or sorry, 1% cash back. Out of a $2,000 of spending, you'll get $20 back, right? But if you had um, a card that got you 5% cash back, then from your $2,000, you'd be getting $100 back. And so these are like super simple ways for you to just get more cash on hand, right? Um, most cashback cards are like in the one, one and a half, maybe 2% on kind of just everything. And then some cashback cards will give you up to like 5% back on like a specific category. So it'll be like 1% back on everything and 5% back on gas or 1% back on everything, 3% back at drugstores or, you know, 2% at grocery stores, that kind of thing. Um, and for the most part, these like when you get cash back, you can only use it as cash. You can't like do anything fancy with the, they're not points, they're not miles, like they are just cash back. And so you just like, that cash just like sits in a little like rewards cash back account and then you just like transfer it to your bank account and then now you just have some yeah. extra money. And I know for mine, it'll just automatically deposit every quarter. And so every three okay. months, every three months, my bank just drops in like 20, 50 bucks. And it's like, oh sweet, that's nice, you know. Yeah. The first credit card that I opened was a USAA American Express card and it was a cashback. It was like a one and a half on pretty much everything. I think 5% on gas or something. And I didn't even know like what categories I got better cash back on. I just used it for everything. And every month there was just, when I'd log into my account, there was just like a little picture on the right and it just had a number of how much I had earned in cash back. And it was crazy to me just how over the course of every couple months I'd look over and there's like, 20 bucks there, 30 bucks there. Like one time, I think I went like a whole year and there was like a hundred dollars there. And I was like, whoa, I can do a lot with a hundred bucks. You know, that's a few meals. That's, um, that's like a couple, that's a, uh, at the time it was a couple tanks of gas. Now it's like half a tank of gas, <laughs> but like, um, uh, that's like extra money that you did not have before that you now have access to, mm -hmm. uh, which makes cashback cards really, really awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know if you want to talk about this now, but the other thing that comes with cashback cards is a lot of times they will have some sort of sign-on bonus where if you spend like 500 or like I know the, I think it's the student card that Chase offers. If you purchase anything on it within the first three months, then they'll give you 50 bucks. Or like some yeah. of the freedom cards, it's once you spend like $500, then they'll give you, or once you spend $1,000 in the first three months, they'll give you $200 back. And so there's usually some sort of sign-on bonus associated with as well that you can make a little bit of money with as well. Yeah. And these sign up bonuses, they're usually pretty low. Like you said, you know, make three purchases on this card and we'll give you 50 bucks. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I'll just go to the store, buy three donuts, you know, and like three separate transactions. And I just made 50 bucks. Awesome. Um, these kinds, they're really, really low sign up bonuses because the intent behind them is to just get you to learn how to use your credit card and to get into a habit of using it so that you start to put all of your purchases on it. Because remember, every time you swipe your credit card, the credit card company makes a small amount of money from the company that you just purchased from, right? The credit card company is winning every single time you swipe the credit card. But as long as you pay off your card in full, every single month, you can win too, which is what makes this like so much fun. Um, and yeah, one of the best cards that I think is out there is the um, is some of the Chase cashback cards because it's actually $500. If you spend $500 in the first three months, they'll give you $200 back, which is like, huge right so because right. that's most that's, people can that's spend five hundred dollars in three months <laughs> yeah and that's on top of the cash back you're already earning so if you're earning two percent cash back then you also get two hundred dollars back which is essentially like forty percent cash back so you're getting like like right two four six eight yeah so you're ma you're making like forty five percent cash back or something like that it's like ridiculous yeah so like cashback cards are super awesome 
Um, and these are, okay, so some credit cards have an annual fee. Cashback cards almost always do not have an annual fee. So generally speaking, cards that have no annual fees, they are, they'll have like a really small signup bonus. Um, and for the most part, you can like only get cash back from them. For the most part, you can't really do some other cool stuff with them. Um, but the intent behind those cards for most people is either to just, it's just people who really want, um, to just put all their spending on just this one card, just earn some cash back. They are not interested in the travel hacking game. They don't care about credit card rewards. Like they just kind of want some cash back from everything that they spend on. And like, that's it. Easy, leave it alone. A lot, those are, those are a lot of the people that will have cash back cards. Cash back cards are also super great for people who are just getting started because they don't have an annual fee and they are the easiest to get approved for, right? So one of the mistakes that I made a long time ago was I signed up for really expensive travel cards because I had no idea what I was doing. And so I applied for an American Express card that was really had a really high annual fee. All my friends said I needed to get it and I applied for it twice, got denied twice because I had no idea what I was doing because I applied for the wrong card. I then went and applied for a cash back card and like got approved instantly and you know that's kind of where we started. Um, but so yes, yeah, so we had cash back cards and then let's jump over into travel cards. So do you want to explain travel cards a little bit to us? Yeah, so travel cards, it's the same concept of where you pay money, you buy things on your credit card, and then you get some sort of benefit or reward back. But instead of it coming back in the form of actual cash or money back into your checking account or your credit account, um, it comes back in points usually associated with some sort of either the bank's specific points or some sort of co-branded points or like if you have a chase and a southwest point card then you'll get southwest flight points you'll, or you'll get british airlines points that allow you to fly or marriott points that allow you to book hotels with or whatever it is they'll usually come back in some sort of points that can be redeemed for things um, through certain like companies or websites and so these are interesting because like you said a lot of times they're going to have some sort of annual fee um, a lot of times they'll have a really cool sign-on bonus as well that can cash out quite a few points. Um, and usually they're a little bit harder to get approved for um, just because the sign-on bonuses and the benefits can be so nice, um, especially if you're into the travel hacking. You can, you, can save a, you can get a lot of money's worth of points through these cards. Um, and so the, co the companies generally have higher fees uh, or higher annual fees as well as they're harder to get approved for. Yeah, so just to, just to uh, piggyback off what you just said there. So right, if I open a United card with Chase, so Chase is the bank that is like supporting this United card and then Visa is the company that makes the physical card. So you have a Visa credit card with Chase that is with that is co-branded with uh, United, right? So I have a United credit card. When I spend on that United card, I'm going to get United miles back. I'm not going to get Chase Ultimate Rewards back. I'm going to get United miles back. And the only thing I can do with United miles is redeem them in the United ecosystem. So that can be for flights. That can be to transfer to United Star Alliance partners. Um, so other airlines that are like partners with United, um, you could use it to pay for like... Um, uh, certain like amenities, you know, I think you can use them to pay for like Wi-Fi in your flights or to like upgrade your seat or get a lounge kind of stuff. That's what you can use those. Yeah. If you, if you pay for some of these things, that, that, that's kind of how you can use those United points, right? Um, Southwest does the same thing. Delta does the same thing. Same goes for uh, hotels as well. Hilton, Hyatt, Marriott, IHG. 
they all have their credit cards as well. Um, Hilton, for example, they make credit cards. They are uh, branded with American Express. So your Hilton card is an American Express card. When you spend on your Hilton card, you get Hilton points back. And you can use those points to book hotels with Hilton, right? And Hilton, is it's not just Hilton. It's like Hilton and Hampton and uh, Doubletree and like all these other smaller hotel companies that are all under the big Hilton umbrella. You get to use your Hilton points for any of those properties. Um, do you have a question? No, I think that that's great. And I think that the idea behind this is just to realize how complex this gets. Because like you said, you can have a Hilton card and you can use those for Hilton hotels but you can also use it for all of the hotels underneath that, right? Or for any of like, potentially, I know for like Marriott points, you can even transfer those to other airlines and then use them to book flights, you know? And so you can, you have these points that can be transferred between all these different partners that can also be used for all of the partners that are owned or underneath those specific companies. And so this becomes a super complex game. And this is where that kind of idea of it becoming a hobby comes in because you can game the system. You know, there are ways to kind of get into this and to use these points and get more out of them than most people really would really ever like off of first glance ever realize that you could get out of these points. Yeah. And you know, there are, you can get into the rabbit hole and you can learn so much about all these points and miles and ways to get all these deals. And in essence, like in totality, the credit card companies are winning, right? The hotel companies are winning. The airline companies are winning because they have so many people who are using these cards and they have late payments. And so they get hit with penalties and late fees and um, they're not maximizing their rewards and they're not going to spend, you know, four or five hours trying to figure out how to transfer points from one partner to another partner to get this sweet spot reward that you are trying to book at this one specific place. They know that like There is a world of travel hackers out there, but it's actually pretty small compared to just like the large populace that books these things. And so they're okay with the small portion of us travel hackers winning because they know that the vast majority of people are just losing basically, Mm -hmm. right? So, So that's why it's essential for you to pay off your cards in full every single month before you can even play the game at all but it is super exciting like i know my wife she's in a lot of relationships right you'll usually have one person who gets like really excited about financial independence and the other one who's just kind of like either against it and takes a while for them to come around to it or they're just kind of like okay we'll do you know we'll we can do this it's fine but like i'm not passionate about learning about the tax code it's the same way in the travel hacking space generally speaking you'll have one spouse or, or a partner in a relationship who's like all about learning about the deals and the ways that you can transfer points and whatnot and like it gets super exciting and that's me i start telling my wife and we've already talked about this she knows that she's allowed to just kind of like nod her head and say yes but not listen to me because she doesn't get she just like doesn't care she's like just hearing numbers and she just gets all confused and she's like "Ah, i don't really like you just just book the hotel for us like that's it right and so i can just like tell her how exciting all these things are and all the obstacles that to jump through and she's like Cool. Yeah. Okay. Like, let's go to let's Hawaii. Either, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. Sorry. Get get back on track, right? So um, airlines, they have all their credit cards. Um, hotels, they have all their credit cards. Today, like more recently, hotel cards and uh, airline cards are starting to like talk to each other and work with each other more. So now a lot of um, hotel cards have like airline credits, and then uh, airline cards will have like hotel credits and stuff, and they're kind of all starting to collaborate together. Uh, But the third kind of big piece of travel cards is the companies that make or the the 
like the banks that make their own cards. So like Chase, American Express, Capital One, City, etc. Right? They all have their own like solo credit cards. Right? So Chase has credit cards that are just Chase cards. They, Chase also has Marriott cards, United cards, Southwest cards. But Chase has their own specific Chase cards. And these Chase cards, when you use them, you earn Chase Ultimate Rewards points. American Express has their own American Express cards. American Express also has Hilton and Marriott and um, like Delta and all these other like specific cards for those companies, co-branded cards is what they're called. But American Express also makes just American Express cards that earn American Express membership rewards points. Um, City has some, Capital One has some. I'm not as familiar with all of those, so we're not gonna get into it. But Basically, if you have, we'll talk about Chase and American Express. So if you have a bunch of Chase points or a bunch of American Express points, you can take those points and you can transfer them to one of their partners. So Chase, for example, is a partner of Southwest, right? You're talking about your Southwest credit card. You can earn Southwest points by using a Southwest credit card, or you can use a regular Chase card and you can transfer your Chase points to Southwest at a one-to-one -one ratio. So if I have 5,000 Chase points, I can transfer 5,000 Chase points to Southwest to get 5,000 Southwest points, right? And American Express, you can do the same thing to Delta and to Hilton and to Marriott. Um, and that way you can then use those points in several different like rewards spheres, right? They're, they're called transferable currencies is what we refer to them as. Because you could take your Chase points and you could transfer them to Hyatt or you could transfer them to Southwest or you could transfer them to Marriott, right? You could use them at wherever you see fit. American Express, you can transfer them to Hilton if you want, or to Marriott if you want, or to Delta if you want, um, but you're not tied down to any one of them. Um, and so that's what makes transferable currencies super valuable, is that you get to earn in the currency, and then you get to send it out to whatever company or partner company you want. And a lot of times, those transactions are almost instantaneous. And so, you can like if you decide you want to go on a flight, then you go onto your Chase portal, your Chase your Chase portal, and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to be booking through United, and you just transfer your points there, and you can buy a flight. And so it's it's super super convenient and super super flexible, which makes them all the more valuable. Now I think kind of to kind of tie this all together at the end here, the game generally is to open up these credit cards and to hit the minimum spends. Um, on the sign-up bonuses and to cash out these sign-up bonuses to get huge cashbacks or to get huge point like just deposits into your account that are much larger than you should normally be getting like because if you're just doing like a two percent cashback you'll make 20 bucks over a year 100 bucks over a year whereas if you get that sign-on bonus you get 200 bucks in the first three months and same with these each of these travel credit cards are going to have generally pretty large sign-up bonuses where if you spend $1,000 right now, the Southwest cards, you spend $1,000 in the first three months, and then they cash out 75,000 points, which each point is about one and a half, one and a half cents. And so it's like you, all, you almost make like 1,000. You probably make, I, I, I don't know the math here, but you make probably around $1,000 worth of flights for, for spending, or I think it's $3,000 sped limit. I think is what it is. But anyway, you, you spend that first in the first three months and then you get this like big lump sum. And so the game essentially is you open a card, you spend that spend limit with your normal spending. So you're not spending anything more than you usually do. You get this big cash out of points for hitting that minimum spend. And then you open up the next card and you hit the minimum spend on that. And so 
you're cashing out these massive amounts of points or cashbacks every three to six months. And then you're able to just rack up like thousands and thousands of points, hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars worth of points in the matter of like year or two years. And then you can use those points or those cash back to go do fun things, to save more, to improve the quality of your life, um, any of those things. And that's, that's kind of like the game here, at least the most common game when it comes to travel rewards. And I think we were just talking earlier, there's when it comes to like um, military members, like there's a whole nother game and there's, there's a lot of different ways to kind of get into this, but that's kind of like the general most simplified and most common way to get into travel hacking. Yeah. And um, we're going to get into like military travel hacking kind of like here and there because um, a lot of, a lot of our audience is actually made up of military members um, because I have a lot of uh, connections to military members, obviously. And so a lot of people have asked me specifically for more content on how to do travel hacking in the military because it's not quite the same as travel hacking outside of the military. So we're, we're going to do a whole couple of episodes probably on um, travel hacking in the military. But um, I did just want to like quickly clarify some terms because it gets it gets kind of confusing here in the world of um, travel hacking, credit card points, caching, cashing out, cash back, points, miles, all of that. So when you hit a minimum spend, we'll use the we use the Chase Freedom card because it's like one of the easiest ones. So there's a Chase Freedom Flex card. You spend $500 in the first three months. That's the minimum spend. The minimum spend you need to spend is $500 over the course of three months. Once you've spent $500 and you've met that minimum spend, you're going to earn what's called a sign-up bonus. Sometimes you'll see it abbreviated SUB. The sign-up bonus for that card is 20,000 Chase Ultimate Rewards points or $200 cash back. You get to kind of like pick how you use that. So when you hit the minimum spend, you earn the sign-up bonus. And you you didn't like you don't technically cash out the sign-up bonus, you earn the sign-up bonus and then it's up to you if you want to cash it out for $200 or if you want to transfer 20,000 points to another partner. And so real quick just to um, just to give a quick example, because I, I know we're we're over our time right now, but to just give a quick example. So if you have a Chase Freedom Flex card and a Chase Sapphire Preferred card, and we'll go into detail about all these different cards and what they mean, but here's just to kind of like tease out what's possible. You can take that 20,000 points, which is normally worth $200. You could transfer those 20,000 points from your Chase Freedom Flex to your Chase Sapphire um, we use the Sapphire Reserve card, okay? You transfer your 20,000 points to the Chase Sapphire Reserve card, and then the Chase Sapphire Reserve card can cash that same 20,000 points out for $300 because that card has a cash back rate of 1.5 cents per point instead of the regular 1% back. So you could just cash out 20,000 points for $300, or you could transfer 20,000 points to Hyatt Hotels. And Hyatt Hotels, they they price their hotel nights in points differently than they price them in dollars. So it's very common for you to find a Hyatt hotel that is a category one hotel, which means it's worth five, it costs 5,000 points per night to stay at that hotel, 5,000 points flat. You can, or those nights often cost about 100 to $150 a night. So if you transfer your 20,000 points to Hyatt, now you have 20,000 Hyatt points. 20,000 Hyatt points could get you four nights at a category one hotel. And if they're $150 a night normally, that 20,000 points just became worth $600, right? So we just went from this 20,000 points being $200 to 20,000 points being worth $600. 
just by transferring the points from one card to another card to this company, right? And it gets way more complicated than that, and it's super exciting for some people, just mind-numbing for other people. And we're gonna go into all details on how all this works, how all these things connect, but it's super possible for us to say, like to earn a whole bunch of money in this fun game that is credit card mm -hmm. rewards and points. And remember, the rules are, we pay off our, rule one, we pay off our card in full every single month without fail. Uh, rule two, you do not spend money that you weren't going to spend otherwise. And rule three, we stay away from the sketchy, quasi-illegal, gray area stuff that's out there. Mm -hmm. And I guess to just wrap this up, um, I, I know a lot of people, um, at least my friend group who's going to be listening to this, are just asking the question of how do I get started? You know, if I want to get into these bonus points and these, these cool credit cards, how do I get started? And really, the most simple way to get started, especially if you have no credit score at all, um, because a lot of these nicer credit cards that have the big sign-on bonuses, you have to have some sort of established credit score. Um, just go to your bank that you already bank with. Um, ask them about just a no annual fee, 1% cashback card, or sometimes they'll have a rewards one as well. And just ask, ask to apply for that. Open that card up. That's going to be the easiest one to get applied for because you have money with them. They know your financials, and so and you've been working with them before. And so you're very likely to be able to get approved for something that easy. And just look for the no annual fee. Um, practice on that card for a year, you know, and just put your spending on there. Make sure you're spending, you're paying it off the, every single month and that you're not spending more than you're making, that you're able to get that balance to zero at the end of every single month. And just build good habits with that card as well as your credit score. Because by using that credit card every single month, it's gonna show up to the credit bureaus that you have credit, that you're paying it off, that it's going well. And so then after a year, you'll then have a pretty solid credit score that you can then go start applying for these big bonus credit cards and really start to play this game. Um, and, and we'll talk more about kind of the details of opening credit cards, the impact on your credit score, all those kind of things later on. But if you're just getting into this, that's the best way to start. Just go open up a credit card with your bank and start practicing and just start building that credit score and just get going because there's so much you can do, but it just starts with something that small. And if you walk into a bank, like your bank, so let's say you grew up banking at Chase your entire life, right? Like our family banked at Chase our whole life. So if you go walk in, talk to somebody and say, hey, I've been banking here for X number of years. Like this, you know, you guys have my accounts and everything. Am I pre-qualified for any credit cards? And they can tell you right there whether or not you're qualified, like pre-qualified for any of these cards so that you know that you're gonna get approved the moment that you apply and you don't even have to worry about it. Um, some banks, they may not be able to, they may say, you know, I, I don't know, we'll just have to apply and see what this computer says. Um, and if that's the way it is, that's the way it is, it's fine. But just like you said, whatever bank you've been banking at the longest, right, go to that bank, ask for whatever just regular, no annual fee, cashback credit card that they have, um, and use that and build good habits. I promise you that practicing is, like practicing is the most important part of getting your finances together, right? To achieving financial independence is building good habits and you just need to practice, right? When you open a, a cashback credit card, you can't get yourself into too much trouble, right? They have a maximum of usually like $1,000 or something. So you you can't even spend too like that much money on the card in the first place. But you just need to practice spending on a credit card and paying it off in full. Spending on a credit card, paying it off in full. And you just need to practice so that you're not going into credit card debt anymore, right? And once you've got six, 12 months of that history behind you of figuring out how to budget, figuring out how to pay, 
um, your credit card off in full every month, then you're going to be golden and you're, it's going to make you safe, secure, and comfortable and confident in opening some of these cooler credit cards um, that have really cool uh, bonuses and perks and credits to them. And like, I'm super excited to talk about all of that, but this is foundational. This is crucial before we can even have the conversation Mm -hmm. about all the different cool credit cards in the world. Yeah. And I just walk into your bank, talk to someone, they have tellers there that will help you do it. So if you don't want to get online, if you don't know how to do it online, that's totally fine. You can just go to your physical bank's location, walk in. There's people there who are there to help you get that credit card and they'll walk you through the whole process. Or if your bank doesn't have any physical locations where you're at, there are plenty of options online, like the Chase. Uh, they have a student card that's really probably pretty easy to apply for. Um, and most most banks will have some sort of introduction card that you can just go on, sign up online, apply online, and and get approved for. So, so just go out there and just do it. Just get started and, and start practicing. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We got a jet, so we're going to take off. Um, But on the next episode, we're going to talk all about breaking out travel hacking and and the different points and ways that you can transfer them, sign up bonuses, um, annual fees, whether or not certain annual fees are worth it. Um, So stay tuned for the next episode. But until then, Russell, I'll catch you later. See ya. Thanks for coming to the Five School today. We hope you learned something new and better yet, took action. Don't forget to share this episode with somebody who needs it and be sure to leave a five-star review. If you want to get in touch with us, shoot us an email at mailbag at the five school.com. And until next time, enjoy this super sweet saxophone outro. Class dismissed.